Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Welcome if you're watching online. Welcome if you're here today. Uh, we're glad you came out and uh, to celebrate with us today is new series we're kicking off, uh, Living on Prayer, and we want to invite you to learn what that looks like, okay? So yesterday, I got the privilege of doing a, doing a wedding yesterday, a young couple saying their I do's, and I started thinking about it. What would that marriage be like if they say I do, and then that's all they say for seven days, and they don't speak again? And then they meet together again, and they say, I do, and they have a little conversation about the schedule for the next month, and then they don't talk again for a week. And then they get together, they talk about their schedule, and they, they plan some things, they kind of share where they're at, and they don't talk again for a week. What kind of marriage would that be, right? It would not be healthy. And yet, so many times, we do this with God. We kind of throw a prayer up. We, we love you, God. We're all in. You know, we say, I do. I'm following you. I'm just a little bit busy this week to have a conversation. I'll catch you next week. And we can put him off time and time again. So this series is going to be challenging all of us to build a prayer life, a, a life that we genuinely enjoy talking to the Father and a life where we can connect and believe and trust and have faith in what he wants to do in our lives. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull out to the book of John. We're gonna be in uh, two different books this week, uh, John 17 and then Matthew. And uh, John 17 is where we'll start. If you got your Bibles, we're gonna read verses 13 to 18. Now, let me give you a little background. This is Jesus praying to God for his disciples, okay? So he is literally praying to God, interceding for, praying for his followers, and here's what he says. Jesus says, now I'm coming to you. I told them, meaning the disciples, many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to, to speak into our lives about this passage. Lord, I'm so thankful that you chose to put this prayer in there. Uh, so many times, God, it, it's easy for us to get busy and to just focus on the physical in front of us. But I pray this morning, Lord, you'd speak through me and help all of us understand that there is a spiritual world out there. And Lord, you are orchestrating things well beyond our pay grade and understanding and help us to figure out what our part is in prayer 
and in service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, which we encourage you to pick that up every Sunday when you come in because it's got the, uh, the, the prayer passages on there for the next four weeks. It'll have the points. And then on the back, it's got information about what's going on in the life of the church. So I encourage you to get that every week. The very first thing that I want you to see is we are called to intercede for those we know and love. Now, what is interceding? It's not a word we use a whole lot today, Right? The, the word intercession actually means the action of intervening on behalf of others. It's kind of like you're, you're advocating. You're standing in the gap, advocating for somebody else's benefit. Now, when I was in the hospital with a heart attack a couple months ago, my wife was my advocate. And she would advocate to make sure I had the medicines that I needed, make sure that the doctors were coming in, that when we got ready to leave, she was the one that made sure we had all the list of everything I was supposed to be doing and, and everything. And, and I'm really grateful because she's, she's a detailed kind of person. But, you know, with that person being your advocate, there's also things they may do that you don't like. When she would advocate for me, I, I was like, well, well baby, can, can you sneak some salt in because his heart diet is salt-free, and it's like, no, the doctor said no. I was like, I know what the doctor said, but can you sneak, you know, no, no. Can't, what about a cheeseburger? You know, well, that's got the, uh, you know, it's got the other stuff on it. I mean, they bring you a cheeseburger, and it was only what you could have with a cheeseburger, right? And, and so she was my advocate, but being my advocate doesn't mean she's always advocating for what I want. She's advocating for what's best. Does that make sense? So when you're interceding for those that you love, for those that you care about, you should be praying for them, not for what they want out of life, not for what they think they need. You need to be praying and asking God to move in their life in such a way that it is what is genuinely best for them. And so sometimes that's praying hard prayers. We're going to see Jesus in a little bit praying some hard prayers as he's uh, trying to pray and ask the Lord to change his mind, and and uh, we'll see how that works out. So let's break this passage down, and let's see what Jesus was praying for his disciples. Uh, the first thing, he prayed for them for joy and blessings. Now, I think this is kind of cool, because too many times when people think of Christianity or, or religion, I think they think rules and regulations, Jesus didn't pray that they would keep the rules and regulations. He prayed that they would have joy and be filled with joy. And, and I want to tell you today, I think walking with Christ should be something that fills you and I with joy. It should fill us with joy because we recognize when we get close to God how much he loves us. We recognize how much he has forgiven us. Now, I'm going to draw it back to that wedding illustration yesterday because the couple I did the wedding for were both smiling. They, they were enjoying it. But I've done weddings where, where people are weeping, and I couldn't tell if it was in sorrow or joy. <laughs> Have you been to any of those? I did this wedding one time, and to this day, I don't know if I made a mistake or not in doing the wedding. It was one of my early weddings I did out in California, and it was for a friend. It was somebody in his church, and he had to be on his honeymoon or vacation. I can't remember what it was. But he said, I can't be there. Will you do this wedding for me? And I was like, well, sure, I could do that wedding for you. 
You know, have you already counseled them? They're both believers. Well, yeah, 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 it's, it's good stuff. Okay. So I get there 30 minutes early, and I'm, I want to go over everything with them. And I'm like, where's the bride? Well, she's in the bridal chambers. Okay, can I see her? Well, I was like, well, I mean, is she decent? Uh, yeah, she's decent. Can I see her? Well, she is sobbing her, her eyes out. I mean, she is like uncontrollably crying. I'm like, is everything okay? Do we need to stop the wedding? And, and she, she couldn't even talk to me. Person after, oh, no, she's happy. She's happy. It's a good thing. I was like, okay. So then about 10 till, I'm like, is the bride ready? Well, we might need to delay it a little bit. Why? She's sobbing. I'm like, is she sobbing for happiness? Oh, she's good. So about 10 after, she finally shows up, starts walking down the aisle, and starts sobbing again. And I'm sitting there going, do I do this wedding or not? Now, I hope they're still together. I, I didn't know them, so I'm praying I didn't like mess their lives up. But, but I asked her like three times, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> well, okay, okay, then we'll go ahead. <laughs> and, and yet that was not the joy that I normally receive and see when I do a wedding, right? Normally that's the most uh, picturesque moment of like, oh, you know, I told the guy yesterday, I said, as your bride comes down the aisle, I said, just take a snapshot of that in your mind. I said, because whenever you think of her, let that be your thoughts because you're so excited and looking forward to this moment. So I believe when we really love the Lord, we're gonna have this joy in our life because we recognize how much he loves us. We're gonna, we're gonna enjoy the journey with God. Now, I was talking to somebody recently and they were struggling with the guilt and the shame of the past. And they were struggling to have any joy in their life because they were constantly beating themselves down, remembering what they had done. And I just tried to counsel them, listen, that's the devil. The devil brings shame and guilt in condemnation. God brings conviction to lead to repentance, which brings joy and freedom and grace. Do you see the difference? And so I, I want you to start by realizing if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have a reason to have joy no matter what. Because no matter how bad it gets, you have the promises of eternity. You have the promises of the hope that God is still on the throne and one day all things will be reconciled unto him. Now, that is what carries me through the hard moments of this world because I realize sometimes I am not excited about what's going on. I am not even happy about what God's will is in my life sometimes. We're gonna see that Jesus was the same way at one point, that that he wasn't excited about the cross, which I don't know how you could be, but he definitely wasn't. He didn't say, yes, Lord, thank you for choosing me. It's like, Lord, if there's any way to let this cup pass away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So I think for each one of us, we can find joy in Christ Jesus. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, talking about Satan, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. When you truly discover the abundant life that God has for you, it changes everything, everything. 
It makes it all worthwhile, no matter how much pain and suffering and difficulty and heartache you've had in your past. God can take all that, forgive, make you new, and give you a future that can make a difference. So Jesus prayed for them for joy. Why don't you begin praying for joy for your family? Praying they find joy instead of bitterness. Joy instead of looking and focusing on the problems of the world, looking and focusing on the joy and the gift that God has given us. Well, the second thing he prayed for him is protection from the evil one. Now, this is interesting because also in the Lord's Prayer, that we prayed that uh, the little video when I came in, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why does Jesus pray that? Because the evil one is out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy your joy. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. He will do anything to crush you. Now, I had one guy say one time, he said, you know, I don't believe that Satan's after me. He said, I don't think I'm that important. I'll probably just get, his, you know, some low-level low demon. <laughs> I was like, you call it what you want. I just know I don't want it. And so I want to be, pray protection from the evil one. Multiple times, Jesus told us to pray for protection from the evil one. So what I do is when I'm praying for my family and loved ones, I pray a hedge of protection around them. That, that phrase is, uh, like a bush hedge, you know. Pray, you can call it a fence, you can call it a hedge, you can call it a moat, I don't care what you call it. But Lord, would you put a protection around my children, my parents, my friends? Will you protect them from the temptation and the lies and the whispering of the devil? You ever had the devil just whisper in your ear, temptation? Here I am, whisper, you know, those, uh, when you're having those spiritual battles between right and wrong. You ever seen the pictures where, where it's like there's a little angel on one shoulder and a little demon on the other, and they're, they're competing for your attention and to get you to answer? I really feel like it's similar to that sometimes. The Holy Spirit wants to speak truth into your life, and the enemy wants to destroy your life. And so we've got to make sure we can discern the voice of God. I know that the devil whispers that stuff in my head sometimes because things can be going perfectly well and I can still hear these voices of why I should be unhappy and why I should be angry at somebody or unforgiving and whispering that in my ear. I know he's real because anytime I go to the top, to, top of, a, of a high-rise building, you ever go to the top of a high-rise building, just look over and, and something whispers in your head, jump. You ever had that happen? It's like I go to a high-rise building, it's like, oh, I hear this voice, just jump. It'll be fun. It's like, no, the, <laughs> you're going to hit bottom. That's not fun. And the way I know that's the devil is because I, I don't like heights. I don't like pain. So that can't be my idea. It's not the Lord's idea. He doesn't want me dead. That's not what he's called me to. So there's a third, third voice out there. I also know it's true because... I, like I said, I don't like heights, but I also don't like to be shown up by my boys. So we went uh, to the lake a couple weeks ago, and they got this 40-foot cliff to jump off of, and nothing in myself said, that's a fun idea. 
I did it anyway because I had to prove myself, but I'm just saying, nothing said, and I knew I wouldn't die, but nothing said that's a fun idea. That's going to hurt, right? So I just want you to know there is a reality. Just as there is God, the creator that created heaven and earth, there is a tempter that was in the garden with Adam and Eve whispering to them, is that really what God meant? Did God really say that? Is that really true? The devil's always going to try to put doubts about God in your head. He's going to try to spread fear in your mind. And he's going to try to tempt you with evil. That's how you know it's the, the enemy. Now, there, there's a lot of folks that don't want to believe in the enemy anymore. Well, you got to rip out a lot of the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, we see an account of Jesus at the end of his 40 days of prayer and fasting. And after 40 days of prayer and fasting... The devil comes to him, it says, and tempts him with the three things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we get to see the insight. I guess he later told the story to Matthew. We get to see the insight of that spiritual battle and how Christ overcame it through the word of God. And so as you're praying for people you love, I want to challenge you to pray that God would protect you from the evil one. If they do not yet know the hope of Christ, I want to challenge you to begin praying that God will literally silence the voice of the devil in their ears and let the Holy Spirit begin to speak and draw them to the love of God. So Jesus prayed for his disciples, not that they be taken out of the world, right? Now that's sometimes what we want. I, I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, will you pray that that this bad thing won't happen. I will. But just so you know, we're still stuck in this world. And there's still consequences of sin. And there's still a, a, a fallen world where there is temptation and, and there is garbage. And there are things that we have to walk through here. But I also believe that as we pray for protection from the evil one, those things will be minimalized. I always want my kids to walk with the Lord, and I'm sure you do too. And I, I want to shelter them from that temptation. I have people say, well, why would you shelter them? Because I'm a parent. And I only want them to have to deal with the temptation that they have to deal with. I want them to instead be protected by God that they might know his love and protection day in and day out. So let's pray for protection from the evil one for those whom we know and we love. And the next one we pray, pray for that they will be set apart for God's work. And the Bible calls this being holy. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me in the world, I am sending them into the world. So we need to be set apart for the work of God. You and I need to be set apart by the way we live. And now Jesus knew it'd be hard even for the disciples. So if you struggle doing what's right, just know the disciples struggled with doing what's right. If you wrestle with the flesh, just know the disciples wrestle with the flesh. And Jesus knew they would wrestle. And Jesus is praying for them that they would be holy, that their lives would shine. He called them a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so you got to ask the question, is my life holy? Now, this is where it gets meddling. If Jesus is praying for you to be holy, are you walking that out? 
Now, if you're not, this is where he brings conviction, which can lead to repentance and freedom versus guilt and shame to crush you. That's the beauty of conviction. So as he's praying, he's praying for you and I also that we would be holy and we live it out day in and day out. We had folks that are going overseas. You know, it's no more spiritual to go overseas than it is to go across the street. We are all to be set aside for God's mission in our lives, to walk that out and to be sent out. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And so we are sent. You're a sent person. You are to be on mission where you live, work, and play. The way that you talk to people, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you influence others, the way that you speak, the way you do business deals. I had one person say one time, well, business is business and church is church. What they were saying was, it's okay if I cheat, lie, and steal on the business side to get what I want because on Sunday morning, I'll be somebody different. That's not what Christ taught at all. We're to be holy seven days a week. And we're to walk it out in the way we, we do college. Those of you that are college students in here, listen, it's so easy to, to just look across the, the paper next to you. It's so easy to lie cheat and steal to get a better grade because of the pressure so high? What if you choose to be that person no matter what everybody else does? To walk it out in honesty. At work, you know, if you work online now, you work from home, it's never been so easy to cheat your employer as it has been now when no one literally is physically there with you. Your phones, your laptops, we got all this technology with you. It's never been as easy just to piddle the day away as it is now. But Christ calls us to be holy, set apart, different than everybody else. But it's hard because we want to be like everybody else. How many of you want to be the one person at your job that everybody calls the goody two-shoes? Anybody like that feeling? Yeah, you know that feeling, some of you, right? Oh, they're the goody two-shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, here comes Steve. Everybody make sure it's 1030. You better go go back to you from your break. Don't try to take one more minute, you know? People can mock you for doing what's right, and they can feel crummy. But just know, Jesus was praying for that for you. He was praying that you'd be set apart. And although that may be meant as an insult, I challenge you to take it as affirmation. Unless you're being the goody two-shoes where you're the one telling them what they should be doing. Now see, being holy is not telling everybody else what they're not holy about. That's called being judgmental. Being holy means you're choosing to live differently to glorify God whether anybody else recognizes it or not, whether anybody else is there to see it or not. You're choosing to live that life 24-7, and that's what he prayed for them. 
And then he prayed that they would be sent into all the world. So just know, whatever you're walking through, you are sent into that situation because God believes you're capable. So if it's a hard season right now, and you're wondering, God, why would you have me go through this? If you will shift your view and realize God has sent you into that situation because you may be the only person that can bring hope to those around you in this hard season. You may be the only person that can push through and still be the light of Christ in such great darkness. The second thing, and we only have two today, uh, is we have Christ's example of how to pray when times are hard. We have Christ's example of how to pray when times are hard. So Matthew 26, Jesus is about to be crucified. He knows what's coming. See, this is what's, this is what's even hard for me to wrap my head around is because Jesus knew what was coming. He, he was God in the flesh, so he knew he physically was gonna be beaten. He knew he physically was gonna be taunted. He knew he physically was gonna be nailed to a cross. And man, that's hard. I, I, I don't know how you know what's coming and walk it out, but Christ did. And so here's what we read. This is Jesus, uh, the night he's to be betrayed. Verse 36, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left him a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have some rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So what did Jesus do in this most horrendous moment of his life? He prayed. He, first thing he did, he went to God, and he took it to the Lord. Now, he also brought his friends with him. He brought his whole prayer team with him. They didn't do very well in the journey, uh, but he brought them with him. Peter, James, and John specifically, those were his three closest friends and disciples. He got other people involved in the prayer moment. And that's what I want to tell you today. You can't do it in this world by yourself. I mean, you, you could make it, but not with the joy that we read about, not with the joy overflowing that we need. We need each other, and we're better together. And so we need to be praying for one another. If you're watching online, listen, I just can't encourage you enough. As soon as you can, 
get back into the family of God on a regular basis where you have people that are praying with you that can be with you. If you cannot do that, maybe you're bedridden, then be sure and put your prayer request online so we can pray for you. If you're here and you're not in a life group, I just can't implore you enough. Get in one where you have people that know what you're going through and that will pray over you and pray for you. We need that. We need a team that believes in us, that knows us, that knows our strengths and our weaknesses, that will pray with us as we're wrestling through the garbage of this world. Listen, how much you love your kids? You love your kids, you love your parents, you love your siblings. I, I know you do. And there are seasons that you walk through there with them and you're, you're button heads, right? Your spouse, you're button heads. And you're struggling to communicate and your marriage is hurting. Why do you keep it to yourself? Reach out to those that love you, that will pray for you, that will pray for this hedge of angels around you, that will pray blessings upon you, and your spouse will pray for God to speak to the, the, the son or the daughter or the, the mom or the dad. You need to have other people praying. I remember I was out in California, and uh, I, I was about three years into our church, and I fell and broke my hip. I was putting some stuff away for our setup and teardown crew, and I fell off a ladder and broke my hip. And about three weeks after the surgery, uh, I was having to learn to walk again, and I was getting depressed. Uh, like I couldn't couldn't walk really good. I I was on some painkillers. I, I was just going to, into depression. And I reached out to our prayer team leader, and I said, "Hey, would you put it out on the prayer wall?" and ask people to pray for me, I'm struggling with depression and discouragement. And she said to me, she said, can I do that? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, is it okay if the people in the church know that their pastor's struggling with depression and discouragement? I said, it better be, because if not, I might be struggling with suicide next. <laughs> I, I need prayer, lady. I need people to be standing in the gap and interceding for me because I can't do this alone. She was like, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry. She was more worried about my image. I don't care about my image. My image is dung, you know what I'm saying? It's like I care about being healthy spiritually and mentally in my mind and my soul. I care about this joy being overflowing. And if your pride is gonna keep you from asking for help, get rid of it because the devil will just let you be as proud as you can be about you making it all the way until everything collapses around you and you got nothing, nobody. We need to admit we need each other. God did not create us to be independent. He created us to be interdependent. What that means is, see, there's independence, there's interdependence, and there's dependent, okay? Dependent means I, I, I need everybody else to, to make it. Interdependent means I'm doing my part you're doing your part, and together we, we help each other be stronger than ever before. We're still pulling our part. Dependent means I'm not pulling my part. I'm just pulling you all the way, sucking the life out of you, right? Interdependent means we are connected. We need each other, but we're also pulling our own weight. And as we do that together, as we pray for one another, then when I need help, I'm gonna reach out to you to pray for me. You need help, you reach out to me. We put that together and we pray for one another. And we're stronger. Jesus, 
the Son of God took others away to pray with him. I think you and I probably should do the same. Second part of that is when he prayed, he prayed humbly. He got on his face. Did you see that in verse 39? It says, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What is it about humility that God recognizes? Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. There is something about this thing of humility that God pays even more attention. It says that Jesus came and he, he fell and he bowed with his face to the, to the ground. In, in essence, this is a picture of complete submission, isn't it? If I have my face to the ground, I'm pretty sure that anybody could beat the stink out of me pretty easily because I got no defenses at this point. I am in complete submission at that point. God calls us to be humble so that in that we can recognize how awesome he is and how powerful he is. And Jesus modeled that for us there. In Psalm 51, 17, says, a broken and a contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. There is a power in acknowledging God is God and you're not. And there's a power in being humble and asking for help for others to pray for you. And there's a power in publicly humbling yourself. I think baptism is probably the most powerful. I mean, I've never called anybody up and said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be getting in my swimming pool. You wanna come watch? It's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna do a, a double gainer, not really, right? I mean, you don't ask people to, but you invite people to watch you get baptized. Why? It is a public testimony of you humbling yourself before other people and acknowledging that you're dying to your old self, that you can't do it by yourself anymore, and you're coming out as a testimony that Jesus Christ is your king and you love him. It's a beautiful picture of humility. When we come forward at the end of the services, we've started doing this. If you're, you're new at the end of the service today, we'll invite you to come forward and, and, and present some things this morning. This morning, we're gonna do a lot different. Uh, I'll explain that at the end, but, but we invite you to come forward. It's not so that people can see you, but it's so that you could come and humble yourself before God and present your needs to him. And we've been teaching in that this stage can be an altar for us. An altar is a place where you come and you, you sacrifice something to someone. You sacrifice something to God. And so it's a, it's, what we're trying to present is that this is a place that we come, we, we bring sacrifices of praise, sacrifice of prayer, and we come and we intercede for others. So uh, we'll be talking about that. And then let us see you submitting to God's plan. Jesus submitted. It's very true. Jesus did not want it. Did you see that? <laughs> Three times he agonized before God and said, Father, if there's any other way to let this cup pass from me, please do that. But not my will, but yours be done. Listen, you may feel like God is telling you the same thing. You may be telling, he may be telling you, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and be the light at that place of work. You're going, no, Lord, I, I'm ready to quit. I'm done. 
Everybody there's mean to me. They make fun of me every day. I'm done. And the Lord's like, nope. I want you to stay there and be the light. And you're like, bad idea. Bad idea, God. I don't like going there. You may not like God's will for your life in this moment. And Christ set the example that in prayer, as you wrestle with God in prayer, and he, he speaks to you and he, he nudges you a direction, you may not like it, but if you walk it out, it's gonna bring the greater glory of God and it's gonna help other people around you come to faith in Jesus Christ. But you've gotta be willing to submit to his will. For some of you, he may be telling you, I'll get to meddling. Maybe he's telling you to, to get involved and make an impact. Maybe he's telling you to, to quit taking all this free time that you're using for yourself and start using that free time to serve others. Maybe at, at a Lighthouse Christian camp or the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic or, or Young Life or the River Youth Ministry or the River Children's Ministry or whatever. Maybe he's been nudging you that direction. You're like, ah, I'm comfortable, God. I kind of like just showing up and being here and, and I'm comfortable. Well, you know what? Jesus was not comfortable, was he? And he wasn't walking out what he wanted. He was submitting to the will of God and you and I are the beneficiaries. He wasn't. And when God calls you to do something, it may not be for your benefit at all. You may be the one that has to do the hard thing that nobody else wants to do, the right thing that nobody else is willing to do to take the, the condemnation and the discouragement from others. You may be the one person that he knows has the spiritual fortitude to do that and make it to the other side. So when you feel like God's calling you to do the hard thing, Take it as a compliment that he trusts in your spiritual maturity because he knows you'll take it to the other side. Last thing is we're called to hear and obey God's direction. Obey. Oh, boy, it's hard, isn't it? Jesus, after three times getting clarity from God, was confident at that point it was time to go be crucified and give his life as a ransom for all. So when the bad guys came, Judas and the Jewish leaders came to have him arrested, he said to his disciples, get up, up, let's get going. It's time. He was spiritually ready because he knew for sure that's what God was calling him to do. There's some things we know from the word of God that he calls all of us to do to pray, to encourage, to love, to pray. But sometimes he even puts a special nudge in our hearts. The Holy Spirit will nudge us to do what's right. I was talking to somebody after first service and uh, they've been a Christian for a while and gone back to a lifestyle not honoring of God and, and then now they're in a place they've hit rock bottom and they've come back and they started walking with the Lord again. And, and he said to me, this was really key, he said, Steve, I, I believed before. He said, but I just never really listened and obeyed the Holy Spirit when he, when he nudged me. And I just kind of shut that out. When the Holy Spirit nudges you, you you've got to listen because it's going to impact those around you. In our life group this last week, 
someone shared a testimony and I asked if I could share that with you guys and they, they said they, they liked that so that others could be encouraged by it. But the testimony was this. At the invitation time a couple of weeks ago when we gave the invitation to come forward, someone that they knew had come forward to pray. And as that friend went forward to pray, they felt prompted that the Holy Spirit was saying to them, you should go lay your hands on them and pray over them as well. And uh, she said, I, I, just, I just thought it would be awkward. I just thought it'd be awkward if I did that and, and I, I thought it might be embarrassing, so I didn't. And she said, as that person continued to pray there, she felt this uncontrollable compulsion that she should go lay her hands on the person and pray. And she said, I just, I just didn't. I just thought it would be awkward. And the person came back and, and that person was in their life group and they saw them at the next life group. And the person at the life group opened up and shared what God had done that morning. And, and they closed kind of with the comment of, I just, I just didn't understand why God didn't send somebody to pray with me. I just felt like I needed somebody to lay their hand on my shoulder and pray for me. And the other person broke down and said, it's not God, it's me. God heard you and he was nudging me, but I was afraid it would be awkward and embarrassing, so I didn't go forward. I am sorry. And they wept and they hugged and, and God did a, a really cool moment because not just were they humble enough to admit that, but they admitted it to that person. And God did a really beautiful work in that relationship. Some of you have felt like you're supposed to come forward and you thought it would be awkward. And it would. Some of you may have felt like the Lord impressing upon your heart to come and kneel, but you thought, ah, that's not necessary. I can pray for my seat. And you can. But let me just say this. When the Holy Spirit nudges you, you've got to say, yes, Lord. Following the example of Christ, because that's when we start to see the supernatural godsidences that we can brag about God all throughout the week. Now, we're going to do a different kind of invitation this morning. We're going to do an invitation for everybody to come forward and pray. Now, this is, we've never done this before that I know of, but as we were talking about it, as we're talking about praying for those that we love and praying for those we care for, we said, how can we, how can we help equip everybody? How can we help them realize how important it is? How can we help them get, get to where they're really calling the names out before God? And when somebody in our group said, well, what if we like have them put their names somewhere? Like we write them down. And we've done that where you write your names, you know, put five names on a, on a piece of paper and pray. And then somebody said, what if we did it to the, took it to the next level and we wrote the names on the stage? When we built the building, we wrote names on the stage, calling people's names out before the Lord for salvation. And it's all covered up with the black paint now, but but they're still there. Some of you who've been following the Lord now since we started, your name might be here and that might be part of why you're following the Lord now because somebody has been praying and praying and praying for you by name. Well, we're gonna give you time this morning to do that. We, we built in time for a longer, 
longer uh, invitation this morning. So we're going to invite everybody to stand. And we have markers all up on stage in these little tins. And we're going to invite you. Don't everybody come at once. It'll be a little too crazy. Uh, but somebody's got to come first, right? So we want to invite you during this invitation to come and write the names of your family and loved ones on there so that we can begin to recognize them and pray for them and call them out for the Lord. Now, if you're here today and you want to talk to somebody about knowing the Lord, I'm going to be in the front middle. Be glad to talk with you and pray with you about that. Or we have the prayer room in back with a couple who's willing to pray with you. So maybe you're going through something as I was talking that got spurred and you need to counsel with somebody. You need to have someone pray with you. Then go back to the prayer room. Maybe you're here today and you know that your name is on the stage and you know that God has been talking to you about giving your life to the Lord continually and you want to make that decision today. You can come and meet me in the front and I'll pray with you about that. But as Ethan sings, I want you to just come. I'm inviting everybody that will come and write the names of your family and loved ones on the stage. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you were encouraged by this podcast, then we want to encourage you to like, follow, rate us on whatever platform that you are listening to. If you want more information about the church and things going on, visit theriverCC.com or download our app. Again, thank you so much for listening to the River Community Church podcast.